This is episode four of Motherboard. This episode is sponsored by our Kickstarter campaign, so huge thanks to everyone who gave, and by Heroku. Heroku allows your organization to build apps faster, deploy instantly, and scale on demand without managing servers. Gain the flexibility to deploy any language, anytime, and to any scale. Learn more and sign up to get started at Heroku.com. I'm Catherine Rotundo, and with me today is Doreen Fazen. Doreen lives near Seattle and is a lead program manager on the Outlook Calendar team at Microsoft. She is also the mom of two kids and writes about time management at her blog, Organizing Dream, which you can find at organizingdream.com. Dream is D-R-E-E-N. Hello, Doreen. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Uh, it's such a pleasure to have a chance to talk with you. Um, we met last year at Hopper when I was first thinking about doing this podcast and I kind of put out this feeler to see if any moms in tech would be willing to share their stories. And it was so amazing to hear yours because you have surmounted some really challenging situations and maintained such an impressive and successful career. Um, Well, thanks. (laughs) So, um, So I'd love to hear um, first to talk a little bit about your current work. Um, I've heard from listeners that they're really inspired to just hear what women, other women in tech are doing. So, so what do you do at Microsoft? Oh, sure. Uh, So I am, as you said, I'm on the Outlook calendar team at Microsoft and I lead a group of program managers and our job is a combination of Work designing the the UI that you see in Outlook today, as well as um, working with designers, developers, and testers to finish those designs and then bring them to life. So it's a very fun and dynamic job where you get to do a lot of creative work, but you're also working in the technical aspects as you work with developers and testers. Yeah. Wow, that sounds great. And um, what led you to that team? Let's see. I've done a lot of different things at Microsoft. And so everything from the OneNote team to um, some of the first SDKs for the touch controls that you see in our software. So I actually went to Microsoft after being in a couple other industries, um, not industries, but different jobs. But I went to Microsoft because they're such a family-friendly place to work, and they have great benefits that help me with um, my son who has autism. So that's what led me there. Um, the, the work itself, I think I, start, I started out as, a, as getting my math degree, and that led me into computer science. Okay, yeah, I was wondering if the parental benefits at Microsoft were a factor in your deciding to work there in the first place. Yeah, it was a it was a big part of my decision. I I like smaller companies, so I needed a big a good reason to go to such a large company. I'm very happy there, but um, that's what got me started there, and I'm I'm so pleased that I've ended up being so happy working there. So, um, did you have your first pregnancy at Microsoft? Actually, no. I had both of my kids before I went before I arrived at Microsoft. Um, when I had my son, I was working at Vivendi Games on their um, their Hallmark Card Studio product, and I had my daughter when I was there as well. In fact, our company got sold in my eighth month of pregnancy, and I was laid off oh, <laughs> right before goodness. she was born. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That uh, that has to have been un- unexpected. 
interestingly, that worked out great because I ended up getting more time off and, and then I landed my job um, at Amazon.com right after that. So it just goes to show, yeah, <laughs> that cliche, one door closes, another door opens. Yeah, definitely true. Um, so, uh, so what was your first pregnancy like? Um, and I mean, I, I, it's sort of a loaded question because I know the answer, but how was it different from, uh, what you expected? So I was one of those people who was sick a lot. So from about week five or six through about week 14 or 15, I was throwing up multiple times a day. Um, And, um, my, my husband was ill at the time another long story. So I really had to keep working and I had to keep going into the office every day. So I literally had this little bag that I would carry around <laughs> so that if I had to, to, to throw up at the last minute, I could. Um, so I was running in and running into smaller offices and little crevices of the building a, a lot to, to manage that, but it worked out. And did you feel like uh, other people noticed or were weirded out by it or thought anything of it? Or was everyone kind of able to cope? Um, Everyone was able to cope. I do think that we all have a job of setting people's expectations and also telling them what we need, you know? Mm. So I remember before I told people, you know, I wanted to wait till that three month mark and I, I felt like people were going to think I had a drinking problem or something because I just looked awful. (laughs) Um, But once I told everybody and I told them what was going on, I felt like my team really respected the fact that I was gutting it out. They kind of had this attitude like, wow, I don't think I could do that. Um, And I was getting all of my work done. My manager, you know, knew what was going on and just transparent and just telling them, yeah, this is happening. And I apologize if it grosses you out. I'm sorry. But I'm just really trying to to stay in the game, and yeah. I felt very supported. Yeah, it, it, it's great. I mean, it's definitely um, something that you know you, you would hope that no employee on your team would have that. But um, the fact that you were able to make significant contributions right. while dealing with that is is even more impressive. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all right. So you were sick you said pretty much from the beginning of your pregnancy until all all the way through or no, until about the 14th or 15th week. Um, and then things really settled down after that, you know, I had the, the, the general tired that you have, but I just, you know, and this is where, you know, you get that support from home. So I would often work my full day and then come home and I would just go to bed, (laughs) you know, I'd go to bed at seven o'clock and, and get that really full night of sleep. So, um, so yeah, it's a combination of setting expectations at work, but also letting your family know what you need and just saying, Hey, you know, if I'm going to keep this job going, I'm going to really need support at home. And like with my, with my second child, that's harder because then you have a little toddler at home and you know, that responsibility has to be handled. Right. (laughs) Right. So yeah, you have to, you have to, I guess the big point I'm trying to make is you have to ask for help, even if it's just a little bit of help from both your, the people that you work with and the people that you are at home with. That's a really great point. Um, all right. So, so your pregnancy got better um, and then eventually you went on leave. Um, right. How, how did that go with your first one? Um, it was good. Uh, so I took 
for with my first one, I could only take six weeks off, which mm-hmm. is, you know, I think that's pretty typical, maybe eight weeks, six to eight weeks is pretty typical. So that was, that was pretty standard. It was hard to go back. Uh, you know, like, like I mentioned with my daughter, since I'd been laid off, I got to be home with her for, for about four months and that felt much better. Um, mm. It was hard to go back. Yeah. When, uh, you went back, uh, who did your kids stay with? Was he in full-time childcare? Yeah. So I, I found a full-time daycare center that was highly recommended. Um, I went there and checked it out and, and I actually went back a few times and really got to know the people there. I even, I think in the week leading up to going back to work, I went there a couple, like two or three times with my son and I think more for myself than him, you know, like I left him for an hour the first day and then I left him for maybe three hours the the second day. So it was kind of teaching myself like, okay, he's fine and I'm fine. Um, and that, but I, I will say that the, those days I was fine leaving him, but on my first day of work, when I took him in the morning, I just teared up as I was leaving. And I remember the, 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 the woman who ran the infant room, she was just this sweet older lady and she gave me a hug and she's like, we all go through this and it'll be okay. And <laughs> so, I mean, she'd seen it before. She's going to see it again. It's so, it's so common, you know, it's just tough. Yeah. I also had a really tough time leaving my kid. And I think it is tough when you, when you do go back full time immediately and it's not sort of this, this, uh, gradient of like, okay, one hour today, two hours tomorrow, like at at three months, I left my kid for a whole day, which I had never Mm -hmm. done before. And that was kind of devastating. Um, Yeah. So I was glad that I did those kind of partial days leading up to the first day. Yeah. That's really smart. Um, and so how was it, how was it returning to work then? Um, once, once I got back into the swing of things, um, things were good. Uh, you know, I was able to, I had the kind, I'm pretty good at managing my time and my hours. And so, you know, even when I had my kids as babies, I had, I was a developer. So my schedule was a bit more set. And so it was easy to leave when I needed to leave. Now that I'm a program manager, my schedule is much more dynamic, but you, I still set expectations with my team that I will be leaving at a certain time so I can get home and, and you know, let my babysitter go home and, and make dinner for my family. So I think a key there is just setting limits, you know, and, and then you, and then just for yourself, you know, that you, you'll be getting home to your family and, and you know that you'll be giving them the time that you need to give them. Yeah, um, I'm I'm impressed because you put screenshots of your calendar in some of your blog posts, and uh, the way you block off your time is so impressive to me. You're definitely <laughs> an example of someone who's got this figured out. Thanks. <laughs> um, so uh, you said that you were a programmer back then. Was your decision to move from programming into uh, program management related to having kids, or was it more related to your general career goals? It was more related to just my interests. In fact, when I look at even my work today, there's a part of me that thinks it might be easier to be a developer, on at least on my team as a parent, because the way that we structure the work for our development team is we really try to 
Um, you know, like we, we might have daily standups in the morning to check in on the work, but those are like literally you're standing up in the hallway for 15 minutes. And then we try to keep the meetings for those folks down to a minimum. Um, my schedule as a program manager, I'm in meetings all day. And so, you know, if the school calls because my one of my children is sick, it's much more difficult to, you know, cancel those meetings and reschedule them and 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 shift the responsibilities around. So, um, yeah, if anything, I think it'd be easier to be a developer and a parent than a program manager and a parent. That's interesting. Wow. I wouldn't have thought it. Um, yeah. but yeah. Um, and I mean, this is assuming that you're not on a team as a developer where you're, where you are just in a grind of a product and you are working a ton of overtime, you know? Yeah. That's um, true. even as, even as I'm talking out loud now, I think, as a program manager, because I decide this, you know, I'm making the designs and I'm deciding the scope, I've been on some of those killer development projects. And so I didn't, I, I pride myself in not killing my dev team, you know, like mm. I'm very, very cognizant about how many hours are we working? How many hours are we planning? Do we have a, do we have a design where we can scope it down to fit the schedule so that I don't burn out the people that are working for me. Um, that and that definitely awesome. comes from my parenting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. I don't know if I've ever worked on a team where the, the leadership was that, uh, that, uh, thoughtful about it for, mm-hmm. for us. Um, well, so, um, so it sounds like there weren't really any changes that you made immediately after going back to work that you basically went back into your same job. And, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, did you change jobs? How, how many w- years was it between your two kids? So they are four years apart, almost exactly. Um, and so, and like I mentioned, I had both of my kids while I was at that, that single job. And then I was, I was laid off right before my daughter was born. And then, um, it was, I will say it was, it was a little tough starting a totally brand new job as an, as a new mom, you know, uh, for example, yeah. breastfeeding, you know, and you don't know all these people. And so it's, it's, it's a little weird. You have this brand new manager and you're saying, do you guys have a mother's room or anything <laughs> like that that I can use? Um, so it was a little bit, it was a, it was a little bit harder to set expectations with people. I, I definitely was working a lot more, you know, cause you're trying to establish your credibility at a new place. So I would, re- if, if it's, if it's at all possible for new moms out there, I would definitely recommend them sticking with a job where they're already established <laughs> as opposed to trying to take on being a new mom and establishing themselves on a new team. Um, cause that was, that was definitely challenging. Yeah, I completely agree. I also, um, I have moved, uh, during my kids early years. And, um, I think when you're at one employer and you've been full-time for years and then you ask to go part-time, that's one thing that's possible Mm -hmm. in engineering, but, um, you know, looking for a part-time job at a new company is is kind of strange. There aren't a lot of men who do that. So, um, yeah. (laughs) Um, so, all right. So you got to spend, uh, four months at home with her. And then did you go back, uh, when, uh, when you started your new job, then you started full time and that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, 
Great. Well, let's pause for a moment for a short and sweet message from our sponsor, Heroku. Uh, Heroku is cloud computing designed and built for developers, and they are always looking for great talent, including moms. So uh, ladies, go check out jobs.heroku.com for listings. Um, all right. So, so you've talked about your kids' early years. Um, I'm guessing your daughter went to also to full-time care when you went back. Uh, That's correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, some people, when they have the second kid, they figure, oh, it would actually be cheaper to just have both of them at home with someone taking care of them there. Um, but you had both kids in childcare. Oh, and actually, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. I've had, I've done both flavors. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So the thought process that you just described, I was in the same boat. So when I first went back to work, um, I did get a full-time nanny. Um, now I had, I had some other reasons why I did that. So, um, my son has autism and he, he was diagnosed with autism at about age two and a half. So he has a pretty, at the time he had a pretty intense therapy program. Mm. So I was trying to figure out how do I balance all of that and also, uh, and my daughter. And so we, we did a lot of therapy for him in the home. And so I had, um, I had an ABA therapist called the ABA therapist who was working in my home four hours a day already. And so we, I worked it out with her where she was just going to, my daughter was young enough that, um, she was just going to watch both kids full day. And then when my daughter was napping, she would do the more intense ABA therapy with my son. So I think if, if it wasn't for our, the situation with the, with autism, we probably would have just stuck with a daycare situation because that worked really well. Um, but in our case, because of our circumstances, we did get a nanny. Now, when she, when my daughter became about two, two and a half, she was more of a handful. <laughs> and so, um, so we couldn't balance both. So we ended up putting her in, in a daycare center also just to socialize her, you know, she was kind of isolated and she wasn't developing the typical social skills that you see. And so that was good. Going to daycare was good for her because she was around other kids and got to play with other kids. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also send my only child to daycare partly so he can socialize with other kids because otherwise he would just be around adults all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so how old are your kids now? So my son is 13 and my daughter is nine. So my son's in middle school in eighth grade and my daughter's a fourth grader this year. Okay. And um, so their schedules are not all day in daycare, which is kind of the easy thing about the early years, right? You can drop them off. I agree. I do think that, that, I mean, I think in those early years, it's hard because you're dealing with, you know, being woken up in the middle of the night and you have to do so much more for your kids. Um, it's, it's, it's very exhausting, but on the daycare side, yeah, you can just put them in, put them in a daycare type of, of setting. Uh, as a, as school aged kids, the thing that's tough is the schedule. And this is what I have a lot of the, a lot of the topics I cover on my blog, you know, uh, yeah. my son has different therapy appointments on different days of the week. My daughter has her after school activities on different days of the week. So we have hired an afternoon babysitter. And, you know, when we hire someone that we tell them your main job is running around, <laughs> <laughs> 
But then also homework. You know, you don't want to be in a situation where when you get home at 630 at night, you're trying to dig into a whole afternoon's worth of homework with your kids when they're tired and they need some downtime. So really um, that that babysitter, afternoon babysitter's job is getting them to these appointments and activities and then helping them make sure they get all of their homework done. So my goal is that when I get home, we're sitting down and having dinner together, and then we can just kind of hang out and just be a family. Oh, nice. And you have a little a little evening time before they both go to bed? Exactly. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, so at, at what age did you switch to having an afternoon babysitter? Did it just happen when your, your son went into school? Did like, the situation necessitate it? Let's see. So it was more... It, it came, it became more like the homework situation is what pushed that more yeah. with, with what we were doing is my, the ABA therapist would, would pick up my son from the daycare center on the days that she was working with him and just take him back to my house and work with him there. And then I'd pick up my daughter and meet them back at the house. But when both of them started, ha- but when she started having homework where she needed a little bit more help, I mean, at the daycare center, they had a time for the kids to do homework, but it just wasn't getting done. Yeah, And so that was the thing. And also I wanted her to start having activities, you know, like I want, I think I, the original, the first activity was I wanted to let her take dan- a dance class. And mm-hmm. I, I was like, Oh, I have no way to get her to or from a dance class. And, you know, she wasn't in sports. She wasn't in any of these. Again, it's like a social activity and it's a, these kinds of activities are so good for them to build confidence. And at the daycare center, she just didn't have any opportunity to do that. So that need to, to go to different things in the afternoon is what really drove the decision to hire an in-home babysitter. Yeah, that's, um, that's interesting. You're making me flash back to my childhood. I mean, I was a little older. I was probably her age now. Um, but both of my parents worked and they hired the town taxi to come take me to my <laughs> dance class. Um, right. And I, I remember handing the driver an envelope with $3 in it every time, which is, you know, a ridiculously small fail, fare, but they, uh, they took it on because they knew my parents needed help, you know, shuttling right. us from, from place to place. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> that's <right. laughs> um, yeah. So, so right. You write about, um, you write on your blog, about uh, the challenges that you have with um, sort of balancing your your schedule with school age kids, um, and I'm I'm curious since your blog has categories that talk about pretty personal things like um, a, a kid with autism. How do you draw the line between how much to share and how much to keep private? Um, I mean, you're 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 very public about what you say and also very respectful. I don't feel like you're giving anything away right. that would, would bother him, but, um, but I'm curious, you know, how you, uh, decided that you'd want to share this information to help other parents. Oh, sure. Um, it really started with when, so I'm not part of any support groups or anything with that relate to parents who have children with autism. Um, I see the need, but I, I sometimes I just felt like I just wasn't getting that positive boost that I needed from it. So I, I, I stopped going. Um, and then 
when I, but when I would have friends who were faced with this situation or they knew someone, I was starting to get connected with people where I wouldn't even know people. You know, yeah. I'd literally get an email from a friend who said, Hey, I have this coworker whose child was just diagnosed with autism. Can you help them? And so there'd be these people that I had never met that I would spend hours with on the phone talking to them about just how to get their program set up, how to manage it all. And, um, and it was very rewarding because I know when this, when I was faced with this situation, I was really overwhelmed. I didn't know what to do and I was able to figure it out. And I kind of had this moment where I thought, you know, I'm so lucky that I happen to be a project manager and this situation is like this lifelong project that needs to, <laughs> you know, you need to have goals and you need to have, you need to be measuring your progress and you need to be, you know, you, you're managing a staff of people. And so I've helped so many people individually. And often I have people say, oh, I, you should write this down. You should, uh, you should, you should blog about this. And so I just, I, after I joined the calendar team at work and again, I'm in this calendar space and I start talking to people and everyone is teases me at work because they, they say, Doreen, you are really passionate about calendaring. <laughs> um, so I think the combination of those two, two worlds coming together, I thought, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to get out there and just start sharing this. And if I can help people with some, with, with things that I really take for granted, I think everyone can manage their calendar this way. And I, it took me a while to realize, oh no, this isn't something that just intuitively comes to other people. And if it can help people, you know, not feel overwhelmed and stay on top of their work schedule and their home schedule, and then even a, a extreme circumstance, like where they're juggling um, a child that has a special need, um, I, I just, I love it. I'm very excited. It's people ask me, where do you find the time? But it's, it's, it's something that I really enjoy. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy it too. I get every one of your blog posts in my email. Like I'm subscribed through <laughs> it's through wordpress.org. Right? Um, right, right. Yeah. So I'm subscribed and yeah, they're all, they're all great. You have such great insights to share. Um, so I'm glad that you are writing about it. Oh, thank you. And circling back to really answering your question, where do I draw that line? I do share a lot of the personal things that are happening because this, this situation can be very isolating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have, as I've talked to these helped individuals, that's one of the things that I have discovered is it can be very isolating. And that's the worst thing you can do for yourself or your kid is like isolate yourself and, and pull back from the world. So I'm hoping that by sharing a little bit more than most people would in hopefully a professional manner, um, people don't feel alone and they're, and they, you know, I'm, I'm, and they're maybe more willing to ask for help or realize that, yeah, this is really hard, but you can, you can do it. Yeah, that's great. I mean, especially I think, um, because it's a thing on the internet, it's something that, that lonely parents can look into when they, when they have time, it doesn't require them to, uh, to ask another parent at the playground, for example. (laughs) Um, and yeah, I mean, with my kid, when he was, uh, when he was little, he had really no interest in playing in the sandbox with the other kids. He always wanted to be at the other end of the playground. And I remember wistfully watching like a group of parents talking, just, it, it just felt like they were, um, miles away, you know, there was no way. Uh, so even, yeah, parenting itself can just be isolating depending on what kind of kid you have. And, 
Um, right. I think it's so great that you're, um, yeah, putting this information out there so that people don't have to feel so lonely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I do hear you there. I've had those same moments on the park bench where I'm like, oh, you know, my, my son would wander. And um, if I looked away for even a minute, he could be gone. And so even if I was there with some friends, I wouldn't have been able to turn my attention away from him because that's one of the, the, the problems that kids with autism, most kids have a, they have this sense of how far they are from their parents and they keep checking in on that. Um, yeah. kids with autism don't, don't always have that. And so they wander and they don't real they don't realize that they're, they're getting too far away and then they get lost. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, uh, for me, that's been one of the most challenging things about being a parent is finding how often my attention is divided between trying to talk to someone and trying to watch my kid. Right. Yeah. Um, well, to get back to your, your work life, I'm, um, I'm curious what skills you feel like you've gained from parenting that you bring back to the workplace. You, you talked about your, um, your scheduling and, and organization, um, you know, what, yeah. I think, I think parenting two different, two things. One, I think being a parent has made me a much better manager. Um, you know, at home you're, you're managing these little ones and the, all the concepts of, positive reinforcement, setting clear expectations, um, structure, all those things, the way they help at home, they also help at work. You know, um, if I, with, with my folks, I really try to be very clear about, you know, the, the outcome I want, the timeline I want it on, um, and, and what the tangible artifact is that I want, you know, so I'm very clear about that. And then also really trying to have that positive reinforcement you know, of just when they do think, when they're doing things well, well, really thanking them and creating that positive cycle. So, um, sometimes I'll have this moment, like with my daughter, something won't go that well. And, and, you know, she'll be upset and, and I'll, I'll think I'll, it'll remind me of maybe a, a less than positive experience I had at work trying to manage someone on a project where it's like, Oh, okay. They're, they're not, you know, my, mm. my employee isn't, sitting down crying, but he probably <laughs> feels the same way. You know? right. So I think it's helped me, like I said, be a better manager because, um, your kids will show you all that emotion. If you don't, if you're not managing them well, quote unquote, mm-hmm. your employees won't, they'll keep it to themselves, you know, and, and then you don't know that you're not doing something right. Um, the other That's thing true. would be, um, I'm just very, very good about managing my time. You know, before I had kids, if a project started to get away from me, you could just work more hours. But now I have a limited number of hours that I can, that I can work. So I really have to be brutal about, okay, what is the thing that is, is not going to get done and communicating that out, um, and being clear about that. So I'm not letting people down or, or delegating. So Mm -hmm. those are, those are a few things that, that being a parent has actually helped me a lot at work. Um, and in general, I think I just have more perspective, you know, like I'm kind of a type A personality. Uh, I used to get really, really wrapped up about things going on at work. That seems so important. And, and now that just even just raising kids, it helps, it helps get you out of work, helps, helps give you a break from the, the things you're thinking about at work. But even my son's situation, it really has given me perspective on, you know, there's a lot bigger problems going on in the world than, the fact that my, you know, 
the the UI that I'm develop that I'm designing isn't quite working out <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, but you have faith it will it will get there, or that the right. important parts you'll you'll figure out what the important parts are and and get those done. Exactly. Um, do you feel that being a parent has had any effects on your career that you didn't expect, um, either positive or negative? On that, you know, that's something I constantly struggle with. And the thing that I have found is, for example, I was I was looking for another job within Microsoft and there was a position that I was kind of looking at and and I was talking to this man who's who's more of an executive level um that that's a friend of a friend to get advice and I was telling him, you know, oh, I'm not sure about this job because I'm a little worried that it'll have a lot of overtime and, and I won't be able to, to balance family and, and the job. And, and I was trying to figure out how to tease that out in the interview process so I could make that decision. And, and he, it's funny, I didn't really know him at all. And he said, you know, you could, everyone, ha- everyone has families, you know, you can, don't, don't let the fact that you have a family make you afraid to take on this role. You know, it all comes down to prioritization, setting boundaries, setting limits. So don't let, don't let, don't let yourself hold yourself back. And so I think that's one thing that I really push myself on, you know, um, am I, the roles I take on, it's like, am I afraid to take on this role because I don't think I can do it all? Or am I just using that as an excuse maybe, you know? So the thing I would encourage everyone to do is really push yourself and be like, okay, how, you know, is, am, am I just afraid of this new role? Cause it's new and I'm using my family as a reason to maybe not pursue it. Or is there really something there? Now, all that said, I, I do recognize that I can only manage so much, you know, that the next kind of level of position I'm looking for at Microsoft, I'm really investigating it right now. <laughs> you know, yeah. like uh, one of the managers this week, it's spring break around here. And, um, you know, I stayed home a few days with my kids, what planned vacation. And I came into the office yesterday and this person was supposed to be gone all week with his family. And he was back in the office and I'm like, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I, but I know him well enough that I'm planning to talk to him about it and say, Hey, did you make this choice? Or did you feel like that choice was made for you? And I'm going to really poke at that and find out what's going on there. Because is it a situation where He's just not managing his time. You know, he has, he has leads under him that he could have delegated things to. Like, did he just not do that appropriately? And that's the thing, like really just not being afraid of it, but like, I see this problem with this role that I, that I'm targeting next. And I'm going to figure out how I solve the things that would impact my family in a way that I don't want and if once I, if I'm ever offered that position, I'm going to say, okay, here's my, <laughs> here's how it's going to go. <laughs> right. No, I mean, I think this is really insightful to, um, to dig a little bit deeper and, and not let your, your first impressions or assumptions about the situation, um, be something that gets in your way. Right. Um, yeah. To find out. Um, yeah, because I certainly think, uh, I also think oh, I wouldn't want to work for X company. I would be working all the time. But mm-hmm. you don't know until you right. interview, right? Or uh, right. or or ask, 
you know, informational interview, ask, talk to people who work there, right. um, which is part of what I hope this podcast will do too. So people are hearing that Microsoft has some family friendly uh, stuff. So uh, yeah. yeah, maybe. And, it's, yeah, and, and with the interviewing, that's something it's funny. I interview a lot of people and the thing I always remind people is you're not just being interviewed, you're interviewing the company, mm-hmm. you know, it needs to be a good fit for you, not just for them. And so, um, and you know, you, you, you want to be careful about you, how you ask the questions, because it's easy for questions about, you know, how much, how much overtime do you, you know, (laughs) be careful about that because you don't want to come across as someone who is, is not a hard worker, but there's a way to tease out, you know, like, Oh, tell me what a typical day is like. Tell me, how do you guys manage projects when, um, when the deadlines get intense, you know, how do you, how do you think about, work-life balance and, and, and longevity of employees. Cause really when, I mean, it's a fact, if a company works their employees too hard, they're going to burn out and they're going to leave and you're not going to get your best out of those people. And so that's why, sure. We have times where we're pushing, you know, and we just try to keep it short. You know, Uh, we've, I recently had about six weeks where I was kind of having to work at night from home. Um, but it was an interesting combination where my son, I wanted him to be on the ski bus with school and I needed to help with that because of his situation. Mm-hmm. And I told work, Hey, I'm doing this Wednesdays. I'm going to be leaving early. But when I, whenever I flex my hours to help my family, I kind of go up, I try to go above and beyond to prove to my organization, like, Hey, when you give me the flexibility to do what I need to do for my family, you're going to get the best out of me. Um, and I turned it into a positive thing so that they'll be happy when I'm telling them that I'm going to be flexing my hours to do things I need to do for my family. Yeah, that's sort of, um, that it's a two way street, definitely. And I think workplaces that offer employees a sustainable career path, um, will get a lot of loyalty from their employees. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so what piece of advice would you give to expecting moms in the tech world? You've already given a lot of advice, but, but are there any last tips that you would like to share? Um, I guess, I guess the main thing would be recognize that you will be, you will have more things that you need to do, um, and manage, manage your schedule proactively. Um, you know, like, little things like understanding, okay, how much time do I need to drop off in the morning? You know, how do I need to structure my morning so that I can not be completely stressed out and frazzled by the time I arrive at work? You know, that's important. Um, and same thing at night, you know, setting things up where you know what time you need to leave, um, in order to drive to wherever you need to pick up your children and get home, you know, things like meal planning, you know, how are you going to manage dinner? You know, having the groceries in the refrigerator when you get home, make it a lot easier to eat healthy at night. Um, or if you're just gonna, you know, like, but have a plan that I guess mm-hmm. that's the main thing. Recognize you have extra responsibilities and you're going to need to have a plan. Well, and people who are looking for tips about this can get some on your blog at organizingdream.com and they can also follow you as dream 317 on Twitter, right? Right. Thank right. you. <laughs> yeah. So I'll put links to both of those in the show notes. Um, well, that wraps up this episode. Thanks so much for sharing your story today, Doreen. All right. Thank you. 
And thanks also to Heroku and all of our Kickstarter supporters. You made this project a reality. So I am incredibly grateful for your initial and ongoing support. Anyone who missed the Kickstarter can head over to motherboardpodcast.com slash support and help sustain the podcast, uh, which excluding the music and sponsor reads is released under a creative commons attribution share alike 4.0 international license. To learn more, visit motherboardpodcast.com slash about. Last but not least, all views expressed on the podcast are individual opinions and not representative of any company. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in a few weeks with more stories of moms in tech. In the meantime, best wishes for happy parenting.